welcome back to Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. I'm Sarah R. And I'm Sarah B. And today we're going to talk about productivity. Yes. So productivity. Uh, that's yeah, not something... only, like, hopefully uh, this podcast, uh, in my imaginings, will be mostly Sarah R. <laughs> telling me how to live my life better. <laughs> <laughs> Which, frankly, is true in almost every aspect, uh, I think, of my life. But particularly with respect to productivity, Sarah R. has really done her homework to figure out which types of strategies are most useful and also most mindful. And then we also hoped to at least touch a little bit on productivity within the academic context and how illusory it is. Yeah. Yes. And in fact, I think, well, it was very uh, apropos of today's discussion. One Mm -hmm. minute before we started recording this podcast, I subscribe to this blog called Barking Up the Wrong Tree, which is excellent, and I recommend everyone subscribe to it. It's one email a week, anyway, on Sundays, and today's was um, how to be more productive without being miserable, <laughs> eight, se- <laughs> eight secrets to productivity. So I quickly read that to like add even more depth to our discussion yeah, yeah, yeah. today, yes. but <clears throat> I think productivity is something that we all, you know, I mean, it's a good thing. You know, you want to be productive. It makes you feel better about yourself, but it's also something that we all struggle with. You know, I think nearly every single academic I know doesn't feel like they're doing enough. And we're going to address some of those, those feelings as well. And, and often those are, you know, based on the culture or not based in reality, but there are of course things that we can just do. Yeah. We all know, (laughs) I know I'm not as productive as I could be, you know, many days. And so over the past like five years, six years, I've really tried to work on that or that time management within myself because I want more time to do fun stuff, basically, is what it boils down yes. to. <laughs> I feel like our discussion that we had IRL about a week and a half ago was so eye-opening to me. Um, it was in the context of whenever Sarah and I are together, I ask her to organize my life. <laughs> and partially that means organizing my wallet, yes. which is stuffed, which is stuffed <laughs> with old receipts from like forever ago, some of which are like faded beyond being even legible. Anyway, what Sarah spoke to when we were sitting on the silver line together <laughs> and she was going through my life and frankly organizing it and making it tractable. Was no, that to, my- to be to be fair, you asked me. <laughs> to be fair, it's not like of we just sat down I on the. Did. Of yeah, course, of course I asked you, you know, and you do it for free. I do which, it like, for frankly, free. Frankly, I need, I should pay you for that <laughs> for your services. But what Sarah was saying was, when you get things organized, then it helps lift this um, weight of guilt. And like in the back of your mind, and I was like, God, that is what I feel. Yes, I feel like a constant weight in the back of my mind about and and feeling of shame how I'm just like not answering things on time and it does take up a lot of CPU you Mm -hmm. were basically saying that and I really recognized myself in that yeah and that's I mean that's a really common thing that productivity people talk about and I I think this is why people recommend I don't know making your bed in the morning now Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest I do not make my bed in the morning that makes me <laughs> but, feel better <laughs> but but there are you know there are things like just having you know a neat place you know to live in and and like having a clean desk this actually kind of does also help relieve some of that cognitive stress but yeah. I would say the the cognitive stress I feel is less about the that sort of neatness and more just about 
if I'm overwhelmed with when I look at my inbox or when I look at my to-do list or, or these kind of annoying things that I know I should be doing, like I have several of them, like they're things that aren't immediately urgent, but they're still something I want to do. And if they're kind of just playing on repeat, if you're always remembering, oh, I need to do this, I need to yes. email that person, I need to, oh, I need to reply to that. Oh, and I was going to write the, this piece for that article, and <sighs> yes. blah 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 blah. Oh, and I have to make this section for this proposal. And the the more that you're spending time worrying about that, it actually causes a lot of stress. So just like hammering out some of those tasks and keeping on top of them actually reduces your stress and makes you more productive because you're not wasting all the time that you're spending worrying about them. Yeah, but it's so hard to get started, which is why, and you really humanized that, I think, for me in that same conversation, because I was saying, but why can't I? Why can't I just do it? And you were like, well, it's not just you. That's like a very human trait that it's extremely hard to break a pattern. So what you have to do, comma, Sarah, (laughs) is break it up into small pieces at first. Yep. Yeah. You know, and also eat, eat the frog. You should say what eating the frog is. Yes, eating the frog. So there's. A I've bunch been eating of... the frog this week, and I feel very good about it. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, eat that frog is is a concept that is uh, is out there on the internets, which you can definitely go and Google. And there's some really good blog articles about it. But basically, the idea is that. We, we, I think we mistakenly sometimes think of ourselves as either having good or bad willpower and that being like a fixed trait, kind of similar to how we sometimes view intelligence as being like just a fixed trait when neither of these things are true or, or I'm just, well, I'm just lazy or I just don't do this or I can't work in this environment. And not only fixed trait, like a moral trait. Yeah. A moral trait and willpower. Yes. So we venerate this, you know, someone has good willpower or if you just wanted to quit smoking, you just would. Well, it's not that simple, you know, and what it boils down to is all humans are kind of bad at willpower. Like everyone. I mean, of course, you know, and we all have some, you know, so it's not, it's not, you shouldn't feel bad if you've run out of willpower in the day because it's really a finite resource. And so the, the key that I feel I, the epiphany I had this year when I was reading about productivity is that I always viewed myself as someone with a lot of willpower, but then still when I would fail at doing something then I would feel really bad because I thought it was like a personal failing of myself. But after reading more about it, I've come to realize that willpower is just finite in everyone and it diminishes through the day. And so you really need to attack your hardest task when your willpower is highest. Um, and so, so, and that's part of this eat the frog mentality is that you, when you are at your best, typically in the morning, though other people might have it, you know, a little, um, I'm face shifted by a few hours. The mornings are not my best, (laughs) but, but, you know, when you have that, like, you know, earlier in the day say not you just eat the hardest task and then and then the rest of the tasks are much more simpler and or you do the thing you really don't want to do first like I really hate booking flights I really hate booking flights I hate it and I put it off and then I put it off to the point where sometimes those flights really (laughs) increase in money (laughs) and and instead it's just like eat the frog just do it it's not you know what you need to do I need to sit down on kayak figure out (laughs) when the flights are what days am I going to travel where am I going to be and all that stuff and it's not actually that hard of a task like everyone can do this task 
you know? Yes, yeah. and I often feel after the fact, once I've done something that's been troubling me in the back of my mind for weeks and sometimes months, once yeah. I do it, I'm always struck with the same feeling, which is like, that wasn't so bad, or... It wasn't as hard, Boy, yeah. I, I'm so relieved that that's done. It was so... It was so easy. Like, yeah. I mean, most of the time, what yeah. I want to put off is not something that's actually time intensive. It's emotionally costly for yeah. whatever reason. So if yes. I just get it out of the way, but then I can't get myself to do it. And I've viewed that too in my mind as a moral failing. And in fact, yeah. I've been very troubled about that and even told myself like, well, I can never really be a professor because like professors have to manage so much stuff and I fail at even returning phone calls, which like Frank is like a huge, huge thing that Sarah and I have talked about too, where it's like breaking things down into reasonable chunks and also acknowledging that this is a universal human challenge. And let's just be honest, no. professors are horrible at returning emails and phone calls, I too. Know, I, don't I just know want I just want mind. to say that to all our professors <laughs> listening. We all know. We know you're busy, but we also know that you never reply to emails. There are very few professors I know who are on top of all their shit. And, that and makes like, me feel better. Yeah, so it does. It's it's not it's not it's not you. But interestingly enough, one of the quotes I put down in my little notes from this article that just arrived in my inbox one minute before we started was we don't need help with the doing part we know what to do but often we don't why usually it boils down to feelings feelings like it scares me or I don't feel yes. like it right now or this yeah. sucks and I don't want to do it yeah. right so these are so exactly what you just said it's not that these tasks are unimaginably difficult they're not by and large they're rather straightforward like I don't want to book my flights but you know what I know how to do it it's not that hard um, and so we turn them into these mountains and then they, and then they take up a lot of CPU power because there are worries in the back of your mind of all these things that you've not done, which is actually one of the things that this article talked about today, which is close worry loops. Uh, mm. you know, and so it's kind of the same thing as like eating the frog, but, um, so if it, t and, and this will tie into something else that we're going to talk about, which is if it takes less than two minutes, just do it now. And I yeah. think that's like a real important kind of just mantra or, or, you know, motto to live by because we tend to kind of stack up a whole bunch of like really small tasks and kind of just push them off because they're not necessarily that urgent. But dealing with it twice takes a lot longer than just dealing with it once. So mm -hmm. if you get something like an inbox, you know, an email or a request or a, a thing to do, you know, changing the toilet paper roll, let me tell you that takes 10 seconds. Once I realize mm -hmm. that, I actually time myself changing the <laughs> toilet paper roll. I used to not. I used to like just put like the new roll on top of the old roll. And, <laughs> and, and I sure did. And, and it was like it was so ridiculous you know and then and then I just timed myself on how long it actually took to like yes. and it was literally 10 seconds and since that day yeah. I just think about that I'm like Sarah it takes 10 seconds and I've never had a problem doing it from then yeah. on wow. but before that I like never did it and and so I mean all these little tasks though can like eat at your your CPU power your brain power and then that makes it more stressful and yes. more difficult to just kind of you feel like you're constantly running behind and late and behind on this and you know and sometimes truly letting people down like not replying to things that you really want to reply or are important to that person or to you and and so just dealing with stuff if it takes less than two minutes the first time it crosses your path is almost always the best way to go about it um because as you know, when you come across that thing a second time, it takes you a good 30 seconds or a minute to kind of 
figure out what it was again that you were going to do. And if you just did it the first time, it saves time. So you actually have more time, um, in your life. Um, (laughs) the start of this blog though, I wanted to, I wanted to share this because I love this quote. Um, I've seen it a couple times, but the, the start of the blog, there was this, uh, this, this definition tomorrow Mm. noun, a mystical land where 99% of all human productivity, motivation (laughs) and achievement is stored. That is how I think about it, though. I know. It's like, oh, I'll do this tomorrow. That is how I feel about it. And I was realizing just recently, having talked about it with you, like, if I don't do it today, just shit will not get done. It won't get done. I'm I'm really trying. And I feel strongly motivated, too, by the fact that there is a goal that I now have, a concrete goal related to a job that I'm I'm gunning for Sarah I'm gunning for it and so I've been saying to myself all of my previously amorphous hopes and dreams now they've kind of crystallized around a real goal so now I'm like now Sarah it is time to get your shit together (laughs) you're gonna pull it together and I have been just like really rallying based on all of your tips okay so like if it takes less than two minutes just do it and that's like most emails (laughs) yeah it is and I have been doing better yes I have been doing better and also just if it's unpleasant just doing it yeah, you know. eating the frog, especially when yes. your willpower is high, when you're feeling like, yeah, you have the yeah. energy, do yes. the hardest task. Whereas yeah. I feel like we often do the reverse, right? We kind of warm up to our day where we do like simple tasks when we first get into work. You know, yeah. like we sit yes. down, we have this trigger, or we waste sit time. down, we waste time, we check email, whatever, blah. Yeah, Sarah, talk know. about patterns, talk about... The patterns, yeah. the triggers, yeah, the habits. We're going to get to that, we're going to get to that, we're going to yes. get to that. But okay. yeah, so these these uh, habits develop, and so eating part of the eating the frog is to uh, instead just, you know, it's not a pleasant task, like no one wants to eat a frog, maybe, yeah, I yeah. mean, maybe you do, but most people yeah. don't want to eat a frog, so you just do it, though. You just yes. eat it. And you get it done and then you'll feel better about yourself and the rest of the day will go more smoothly. So also with like work tasks, you know, if I have some coding thing I really don't want to do and I kind of just hem and haw about it all day long and I'll do other stuff yes, like uh, make a pointless plot or something you know? <laughs> <laughs> or do something else that's easy because we're kind of working our way up to it. But that's actually probably not the best strategy. The best strategy is when you first get in and you start working, do the, the most... Uh, difficult task, which goes back to, I think, an interview I did with Katya where we were talking about how she, when she sits down, she just starts working for um, an hour and a half or two hours or so before she checks her email. It's the very first thing she does. And the days that I've done that, let me tell you, have gone so much better than the days I don't do that. Wow. There's something about checking email in the morning, which just sucks the life out of you. You It does. (laughs) And I mean, you can check your email just to like on on the way to work or something on your phone, just make sure there's nothing vitally urgent. But you know what I mean? We tend to sit at our desk and the very first thing people do is often pull up an email. It does absolutely suck the life out of me, especially if there's an email, which I know will be tricky to answer Mm -hmm. or require more. And then, so then it's kind of sitting in the back of my mind. Again, the like CPU power. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So not checking it. You know who else has been talking about this more and more is Omoa, who we oh, also, yeah. Omoa Shields, um, doctor, newly professor actually at uh, UC Irvine yeah. coming up. Um, she's been saying, I write for 30 minutes a day. 
I just write for 30 minutes a day. And that's just like a goal that she has. I forget whether she's been saying that she does it a particular time of day, but it's like setting aside. Does she write like academic writing you mean, or is this the free writing she's talked about before as well? I'm not sure which or if it's both. Um, And maybe I'll ask her, maybe she wrote something about it, but it reminded me of that when you were talking about Katya, um, or I'm sorry, Professor Papenegger. Yeah. Um, about her strategies too, you yeah. know. It seems to be what I'm noticing is that it's a strategy of like really successful, cool young professors. So good. <laughs> uh, I wanted women professors too. I want to do that then. I yeah, be yeah, like no, them. It's true. It's true. Well, and also this goes back to let's talk about habits. So yes, um, let's talk about habits. Habits. So again, <laughs> this goes back to willpower. We tend to think of you know, well, if you, you know, I would if I just had enough willpower, I would keep this diet or I would, you know, be more productive at work or whatever it is, stop smoking, all these things, exercise more. And, and there's a good story, a couple good stories, I think about this, because ultimately it's not about willpower. Humans generally don't have as much willpower as we think we do, or we just in general suck at it. So the, the key here is building good habits because ultimately that drives like we're 90% of our day on autopilot, just doing the things that we're kind of used to doing in the order that we're used to doing them. And so habits have these like three parts to them, which is the cue, the routine and the reward. So for example, uh, you know, you for talk, we already talked about this, but like the cue, you sit down at your desk. What's the first thing you do? You check your email Uh, and that's the routine. And then what's the reward? You feel like, oh yeah, I got this email. You know, sometimes you read emails that makes you feel happy. It's kind of like scrolling the news feed on your Facebook. Sometimes there's a nice, interesting thing there, which keeps us coming back for more. It's like a slot machine, you know, gambling. You're just, you're pulling that lever one more time to see if something fun will be there. Most of the time it's not, (laughs) you know, but some of the time it is. And that keeps you coming back for more. And so, so building these habits um, and changing them can be really hard. And recognizing these patterns and these habits and these cues in our life um, are really important. So some habits uh, in this one blog that I read about this, they kind of described this case, this classic case of say you want to exercise more. Say you haven't exercised for a few years, so you, you know go out, you're like, I'm going to exercise, you know, five times an a hour week. a day. Yeah. I'm going to exercise yeah. an hour a day and I'm going to start, you know, tomorrow. And this kind of goes in with new year's resolutions, right? We all have these grand ideas. And so the, they relate the story of this person who, you know, goes and runs for three miles the first day, you know, of their new found goal to exercise. And then of course, like they haven't run for 10 years maybe. And so they pull a muscle and then, and then they're hurt or they hurt their knee or, or whatever. Or it's and hard then, and you're sore. Yeah. They're sore. And then, yeah. so then they're, you know, maybe injured because of this, you know, over ambitious, uh, start for the next few weeks, they're sore. And then by the time that they're actually able to run again, the habit's been lost because there was no habit there in the first place. And so it just kind of goes back down to as like another failed uh, resolution. And so what they say, the key is to build a habit and make it deathly simple. So like (laughs) deathly simple. So in the case of, you know, starting an exercise routine, like maybe it's your habit as soon as you get home, because you need that cue, like link it to a time or a place you walk for five minutes and that is literally all you do. And, and, and it's something ridiculously easy to you. And then once you have the habit, you do that every day for like three weeks. Once you have the habit, then you extend that five minutes into like maybe running for five minutes or then yes. running for 10 minutes and you build it up slowly, uh, which is good also for your body as well as for this habit. 
the same the same thing they link to you know flossing your teeth floss one tooth you know uh, at night like if you don't floss your if you don't floss your teeth make it ridiculously easy like flossing one tooth takes like two seconds you know and you just set up the habit like don't floss your whole mouth and and even though you'll feel ridiculous just flossing one tooth because you'll be like well obviously I could floss like two teeth you know (laughs) but the key is to set the habit up and and do it with something that's so easy to accomplish that you can't fail you know, you're going to be able to floss yes. the one tooth. You're yeah. going to be able to walk the five minutes. And that's yeah. going to instigate the habit in your day. And then once it's there, you just don't even think about it. Like, I never think about flossing my teeth now because I just do it every day. And yeah. and it's part of my, you know, right. routine in the evening. And then and then it's not this load on your conscious. But, like, once you... Uh, but it needs to be a habit in place in order for it to be kind of autopilot. And then it becomes easy. I've so been starting these, to do that... Um, with checking my phone, yeah. you know, which, uh, like you're saying, with the slot machine mentality and so on, it's so rare that checking my phone, especially in the morning, contributes mm-hmm. to a feeling of well-being. Yeah. You know, it's it's mostly garbage. It's mm-hmm. junk food. I, yeah. And it doesn't make my stomach <laughs> feel good to eat it. So I've been making myself not check my phone for, like, five minutes in the morning. Just, yeah. like, when I wake up, don't check it until yeah. I've had a cup of coffee and read a book for like five minutes and that's a doable amount of time if I tell myself you're not going to check your phone all day today it's just useless yeah (laughs) you know it won't happen you know and then I feel like horrible you know because I'm like well I don't have the willpower yeah to deal with this and um and so the breaking it down into little pieces yeah, well, that's exactly a, a, another, the first point in the email that I got today on these eight productivity tips, the first one was start the day happy. So mm-hmm. how your mood is in the start of the day greatly influences how productive you'll be during the day and how you'll interact with other people and all that reflects back, you know, towards you. So doing something mm-hmm. that makes you happy in the morning, whatever mm-hmm. that is, I mean, it could be something not productive, it could be watching your favorite show or a funny YouTube video or whatever. Playing my guitar. Yeah. yeah, playing your guitar, reading a book, having a nice cup of tea, looking out at dolphins from your front window, as I uh. often <laughs> want to do. You know, just doing something that makes you genuinely happy at the start of your day. And this goes back to just happiness in general as as being a precondition to success rather than the other way around. Yeah. And I highly recommend that book and TED Talk, The Happiness Advantage. It's amazing. But that's the summary of it is people who are happy are more productive, whereas we tend to think of, you know, uh, that you need to be, you know, successful and productive in order to be happy. But it's usually the other way around. So the very first tip is to do something in the morning, at the beginning of your day, which makes you happy. And I agree with the whole phone thing. In fact, like, I used to not have a smartphone until uh, about uh, two years ago. And and then I've noticed myself fall into some of these very stereotypical patterns. Mm-hmm. You know, before I had a smartphone, I was very aware of how long a text was, like 160 characters. And I, you know, would edit things to make them because I knew I was being charged for every single one and it wasn't it <laughs> yes. wasn't like a conversation to me but like each each text message was very well yes I remember out. this period of time yes. when you would be like can't you combine your text you, <laughs> you would be like shorter. okay sure see you yeah. tomorrow and it would be like three texts and I'd be like Sarah I'm getting charged like 10 cents for each one of these stop it stop it <laughs> so, yeah. so, but then almost within the week I got a smartphone I started behaving more like you with my texts mm-hmm. and I started 
checking my email before I got out of bed. Yes. And Ugh. and now I've like made a commitment to myself to not do that because like you, I don't, it never makes me feel good. I no, mean, it doesn't, you know, never, never. <laughs> it's like checking Facebook. Yeah. It's probably one in 50 times. I would say that checking Facebook makes me feel more connected to people, you know, or better about myself. Like even if I've Receive like to to receive like a really nice comment on something that really makes you feel connected. It's mm-hmm. just so rare. It's all just so distracting. It's it's sort of distracting, and so it feels good for a moment. Yeah, you know. But then it's like thirty minutes later. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm like, what am I doing with my just, life? It's a black hole. It's a black. <laughs> it hole. It is a black hole, and we would know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a great TED talk about this as well, which talks about Facebook and all of these things. I mean, I think this was another kind of epiphany to me is that uh, all of these apps and whatnot are designed for you to keep you coming back, right? Like Facebook wants you to go and scroll through your newsfeed as often as possible throughout the day. And it's, it's kind of this addiction gaming mentality, you know, similar to slot machines and, and gambling addiction. We kind of have this now with Facebook and it really is in some ways like pulling, you know, a slot and we're just wasting our time and our minutes. And, you know, yes. that's the most important thing we have in life is time, you know, even more so than money. So, you know, turning off notifications, almost all apps have them, you know, on loud dinging opening mm-hmm. in your screen by default but you can go into every single app and like shut them off shut off the notifications turn off the sound of the notifications whatever it is but like customize it because that's not going to come prepackaged to you because it's just not in the developer's best interest they want you to get distracted by their their yeah. app and so that's like just kind of as a tangential side note i think something really important in today's world where we're really just kind of sucked into that and and recognizing for what it is it's like really an addiction you know that we should take seriously just like we do with other with other addictions let's um (laughs) let's talk about like in particular within academia you and I actually wrote an article together once about um a trick that we had for um productivity which ameliorated a bunch of things that we think are harmful in the academic kind of narrative about productivity. So one of them is how illusory productivity is in academia. Mm-hmm. And um, we quoted a study from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. <laughs> My favorite which, study. Which was related <laughs> to, which we'll show the figure and tweet it and stuff, um, which shows how much people actually work uh, as a function of how much they believe they work or claim they yeah. work. Yeah. And so, and I think that people have been explicit about that, even in astronomy, about how much you quote unquote should work. I'm making the air quote sign. Like in that infamous letter yeah. from the University of Arizona that was like, you should be working 80 hours a week or something. I forget what it was, or like 70 yeah. hours a week. And this study found that people who say that they're working 70 hours a week are actually working 40 hours a week. So they're overestimating in conversation I don't know if they're fooling themselves or just others or if it's like a combination of both things by 30 hours a week well yes yeah, so, I mean 
it was, it was, so I remember, I remember the statistics pretty well on this. So what happened was, is uh, they were working more than 40 hours a week. The people who claim they're working 75, they're working closer to like 50 or something. So that's right. Yeah. yeah, So they are working more, you know, so what it boiled down to is like, if you thought you were working less than 40 hours a week, often people were actually underestimating the time they put in. So people, you know, who said, oh, I only work five, 10 hours a week. We're actually probably working closer to like 15, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then, and then that kind of changed that, that the transformation point was around 40. So around people who said they were working 40 hours a week were on average working 37 hours a week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when they actually cal- counted it. And then, and then it just got drastically more inflated very quickly like almost exponentially as you went up to higher work so like everyone below that below 40 was like roughly kind of within a few hours you know close to what they were actually working but but the people who claimed they were working 75 hours a week were only working 50 hours a week and so they were overestimated by 25 hours yeah and and pretty much no one works more than 50 hours a week and it's like this illusion of of work you know illusion And, and you just can't I mean you just can't like the hours in the day you need to eat and stuff <laughs> you know it's like there's yeah. like, but know, if you didn't know that that was illusory yeah you would wonder why am i am incapable of doing this and therefore i cannot be an academic you mm-hmm. know if that's what's yeah. required of me but the truth is that nobody's doing that yeah no you know and you and i have had conversations all the time about like I don't know. I've been like, I for sure work less than you, Sarah. I for <laughs> sure work less than you. And you've said the same thing to me. Yeah, yeah. And so we decided to actually log the times we were working in a document that only you and I could see, with the yep. exception of maybe like one or two friends who joined on. And so we actually were reporting. We were open sourcing. Yeah. Work, work done in the day. Work done, yes. And also being honest with one another because what would be the point of not being honest with one another and actually seeing how much other people work which then made me feel more normal yeah I think the key here too is how people report work varies dramatically so I don't when I think of work to me as an academic, I don't think of time spent in the office, which is, I think, how the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the end actually yes. calculated it. So, oh, and, I see. so I would even say that 75 hours is even more inflated because that does not include all the coffee breaks and the, yeah. you know, checking email and all that stuff because they're just reporting, yes. oh, I went in at work at nine and left at seven or whatever. Yep. yep. And and that was how that that study was done. Whereas, you know, and I know that, that within the day, there's also the amount of hours you work. And so there's a couple ways to do this. And in fact, the last week or two, I recorded in a spreadsheet every minute. I didn't tell you this, Sarah, but I recorded every minute of the day. So I like I w- I had a spreadsheet going. Oh, this would be too sobering. I don't even want to see no, my I wanted, spreadsheet. I wanted to know, Sarah. I wanted to know, and so I didn't try to change my lifestyle. But what I did is um, I would have this running spreadsheet open on my my browser, like a Google Doc that I just put in. You know, so say for example, my alarm goes off at you know eight uh, thirty. And then I catch the 9-12 bus. And so that first, you know, uh, 42 minutes is my morning yes. routine. So I just, like, yes. put down 8.30 to 9.12 morning routine. And then from 9.12 to 9.20, the bus is always late. That's just waiting for the bus. It's kind of downtime that I'm not doing anything usual. Yes. 
Then, you know, 9.20 to like 9.55, I'm on the bus. And then 9.55, say I get into work, and then I notice I check my email for 10, 15 minutes. And then once I notice myself starting to change tasks, I would put that in. So I put like 10, you know, 10.15, up till 10.15, I was checking email. 10.15 to, you know, 10.45 was my first Pomodoro. And I kind of just like went through and I would do like Pomodoro, research Pomodoro, or writing Pomodoro, proposal Pomodoro. I kind of like broke those down. You should say what a Pomodoro is. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about Pomodoros. Yes. Uh, Pomodoros, the most amazing thing ever. Go Google it if you don't know what they are, but it's the only reason why I graduated, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) Pomodoros are like... (laughs) There are at least two papers that would not have been completed if not for Pomodoros in my life, yes. Pomodoros, they're the best. Um, Because they're really good about also helping you eat the frog, uh, I think. Because if you... A Pomodoro is a period of 25 minutes... And the rules of the Pomodoro are unflinchingly rigid. During that 25 minutes, you shall not be distracted. You shall yeah. not be distracted. Uh, if someone, you know, no text, no email, no Facebook, nothing. You know, yeah. if, if someone comes in and talks to you, you can push them away. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just, you're on your Pomodoro. Shove them out the and, door. And yeah. you are really dedicated to whatever task for that 25 minutes. And that really helps, like, those get started on those ambiguous tasks where you're like, oh, I have to find this error, and I don't know where yes, it is, and I yeah. don't want to start, and kind of those anxiety feelings. And, you know, honestly, normally in those sorts of situations, my first 25-minute Pomodoro all I've managed to do at the end of that is figure out where I was like a month ago when this yes. problem yes. started. <laughs> like, what directory was I in and what file was I looking yes. at? And like, but it, it's enough to get me started to be then like, oh yeah. And now I can, you know, maybe try this and see if this works and debug this and put in this print statement. And by the end of the first 25 minutes, I'm usually somewhere back on the path to solving the initial problem, though yeah. usually it's never solved. And so, so these 25 minutes can be very powerful. And then you take a five-minute break. And this is also important. Everyone I've talked to about Pomodoros, they're always like, no, because I'm just in the groove now. I just want to keep working. I don't want to take the break. That's not, that's, no. that's not effective. Because ultimately, you burn out. You burn out super fast. Because, you know, two yeah. hours later, you haven't taken a break, and your shoulders hurt, and then you're just yes. done, and you take a longer break, and you're, or you're done for, you know, you're not productive the rest of the day. And, and I really think taking these short five-minute breaks in between a 25-minute Pomodoro, so the whole thing, you know, is 30 minutes, um, it's sustainable in a way that very few other work habits are. And it keeps you going because, you know, you. and I think it's also really important in that five-minute break to stand up, you know, do something slightly physical, you know, stand up, get a drink of water, not look at a screen. Like, if you just go yeah. from your Pomodoro to your email, that is also not restorative. And there's yeah, a study yeah. about that where breaks during the day they have to be actually either social like talking with other people or um or restorative like meditating or or you know getting yeah. up and doing something that's the true restorative breaks where it's just checking facebook or email or doing a very similar sort of task is not restorative and so it's really great when you get a whole hallway doing Pomodoros because then you can have your little social time during those five minutes and then you yes, sit down. Yes, when you and I Pomodoro. Yeah, exactly. Remote Even long Pomodoros distance. with friends. You know, we do a yes. G chat and then we, we quickly connect and laugh about something or whatever and yeah. then go back. Um, Ugh, it's so hard to go back, but these, yes. these are, that's the Pomodoro in a nutshell, but... They're the best. I, I forget where we even started with this. You were talking about recording every minute of oh, your day. For, for, oh, yeah. So I yes. recorded my Pomodoro. So now I'm actually really knowing what I'm doing every day. 
And, and then I, and, and yeah, so when I come home, I report, you know, how much time it took me to make dinner, how much time I sleep, how much time I read, how much time I watch TV, you know, how much time I exercise, like literally every minute I go through and I did this for a couple weeks and I kind of want to plot it out, you know, now and kind of look at it. I'm very curious. I'm curious too. I, I, <laughs> I just, just recorded I, it, but I haven't looked at it. The I feel like it'll be really sobering to me yeah. because I feel like you have one of the most structured and like constructive lives of like. But I don't. <laughs> but I, don't. I know, and you I feel like that, I'll have such imposter thoughts from like yeah, looking. I don't. <laughs> I don't from I looking don't. at your histograms. Yeah. Well, you're gonna look at the histogram, but you're gonna feel like, oh, that's about <laughs> how my day rolls about. So, <laughs> you know, ultimately, uh, I think it's really informative though to do it at least once. That's what I. That's why I decided to do this was just to kind of see. How much of the time of day am I just, I don't know, faffing around wondering what to do next as well? Yes. Like that, you know, yeah. rather than just sitting down and doing the next thing. Yeah. Um, do you ever yeah. feel like I had this happen two nights ago? Do you ever feel just like that tightness in your chest around like some, I, I guess it's more like acute productivity anxiety so I would say I have like a baseline level of productivity anxiety (laughs) that I'm like trying to move that baseline because of the tips that you shared with me and just trying to do all these techniques but then sometimes I really have spikes and the other day it was like time to go to bed and I thought when was the last time that I had a first author paper out Oh God. And Don't it felt those so right long ago. Bedtime. That's horrible. It was fucked up, Sarah. It was. <laughs> I, I was like, I felt like this. I was like, oh my God, it's been so long. Yeah. I just was like, and I had to tell myself just to deal with this in the morning. Like yeah. my brother says, that's future Greg's problem. <laughs> future Greg's problem. <laughs> that's. I was like, this is morning Sarah's problem to think about. Like this is not a good time to even it's not a constructive time Mm -hmm. even to worry Mm -hmm. right and I just feel like that is also a feature of my struggles around productivity is that every now and again they'll become acute yeah oh yeah well and I mean you saw the last one for me that was acute was when I was doing my year-end proposal for my fellowship renewal Lord Almighty, yes. Oh, my God. I was so (laughs) stressed about it because I was like, I haven't done anything. The whole year I've just done nothing. And I had such anxiety about it, Sarah. I had such anxiety about it because I just like, you know, you could have asked me what I did and I would have been like, Sarah, I did nothing. Literally zero. And that wasn't true, but like in my brain. (laughs) No, it wasn't. In my brain, I was like, that's true. You know, and and I just was so anxious about it. Cause I was like, I had, I, and what it boiled down to is I hadn't done what I wanted to have done by the end of the year. And because I hadn't finished what I thought at the start of the year would be like a reasonable, uh, you know, thing to have accomplished. When I looked back, then I was like, Oh, then I did nothing, you know? And so I had this really yeah. anxiety to the point where I, I was super stressed about submitting it. And I was super stressed about Couldn't writing even it. open it, opening and it and looking like, at it. Yeah. Think about it. And I yes. was really anxious for like three or four days about this. I don't know. You yes. helped me out. You like went through the things that I had done and you were like, no, that, that counts as Here's a what I contributed, that Sarah. We were walking, <laughs> we were walking on the beach and you were like, what about this huge accomplishment? Can I include that? <laughs> and then I was like, yes, it, that is an accomplishment. And then we would walk a little longer and then you were like, what about this other hard task that I finished? <laughs> 
of course. about it. Super anxious about it. Yeah, yeah I know. Sometimes it's... that happens to me too, where I can't sleep. You know, if I'm thinking about, um, I don't know what I should have done or what I need to do, or I get I have... overwhelmed sometimes with all the the feeling of all the stuff I have to do, and I feel like it's crumbling from my fingers that I'm not going to be able to. Yeah. I don't know. I sometimes have this strong desire to just like put my head in a hole and yes. like not pay to the world. Yes. Like maybe sleep for a month, you know? I sometimes yeah, have this just like give up. This, yes. This fantasy that I'm just gonna go away someplace and sleep <laughs> for like a month and just forget everything. Because I get so overwhelmed with like feeling like, well I have to you know, I have to that. respond to this person. Oh, and there's this collaboration that I'm late on my part on. I'm literally late in this one collaboration by like a year on finishing <laughs> something. It's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> and then there's like, yes. you know, there's this. I promise I would do this for someone else. And then, oh, I need to do my own stuff. And oh, I need to write this review article that I said I would do. And blah, 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 blah. And so all of these things can feel incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. Yes. I'll often email you at that point and be like, it's just never going to happen for me. You know, and I'll just be like, I'm not capable, you know, and it just really becomes, I guess that is part of my self-care around it. And yours too, is just saying aloud, I feel like I just, it's too much and I can't do it and it's a moral failing or whatever. And then having the other person observe you with compassion and say, like you said to me, this is not a Sarah Ballard problem. This is a human challenge. And it is not like a moral failing that will prevent you from being ever being a professor, which is frankly how it feels in my mind that I'm like bad at responding to emails. Yeah. And I'm like, every professor is, but you, my friend are going to be the professor who does respond to emails after you. Do you think so? Do you think I'm getting better? I think you're getting better. I do. Okay. Well, so this was number seven, actually. And the thing that, uh, the email I got today was forgive yourself and to talk to yourself as you would to a good friend who's feeling like they're not being as productive as they want. So we often talk to ourselves, like you said, very harshly, like I, you're never going to be a professor. You're not, you know, even remotely competent. Yes. Uh, You know, know, a snail could make faster pace than you. Yes. You know, this is, you might as well just, you know, everyone's going to find out you're the imposter and uh, (laughs) it's all over. But instead, (laughs) instead, like try to forgive yourself and realize that a, everyone feels this way. Literally everyone feels this way. Talk to yourself as like I would or a good friend would who's, you know, supportive of you, you know, but also wanting you to do well, but supportive of you because it's not a good place. Like starting from a place of anxiety, going back to the first point, starting the day happy or, you know, happiness leads to success. Starting from a place of anxiety is never a good approach to actually being productive or successful or happy or uh, or any of these things that we value. So that's, uh, that's important. Let's, um, let's close with some of the things that you found in my wallet, Sarah. Oh yeah. Well, I also (laughs) want to mention real quickly about emails first, because we were talking about like your email problem. 
Yes. Which has like 8,000 unread emails. I had 8,000. No, <laughs> Sarah, it's no longer 8,000 because no longer 8, of you. Because of you. Yes. Mark all as read, you said. Sarah, mark all as read. <laughs> Start over. You're never going to answer You're all 8,000. I stopped even seeing 8,000. I didn't even see the <laughs> number anymore. How, and it just kept going up. And I was like, it might as well be infinity. <laughs> like, it's, at some point, it's not. Mark all as read. Sarah, start over. Now I'm like 200. Yeah. You know, it's gotten a little out of control, yeah. but you know, I'm still hopeful. Yeah. You know, it's well, good. Exactly. And they say, you know, when you have 8,000 unread emails, what, what, <laughs> people, what people smarter than me have said is only look back through the last month or three months or whatever is manageable. And, like, really not more than three months. And delete everything else. Or maybe not delete, but, like, archive. Mark is read and archive. Because if it's really important, it's going to come back to you. Like, someone's going to follow up. And probably it's not important at that point. <laughs> so, you know, like, take your last month. Get through those really urgent ones. Mark everything else as, uh, as read. And then starting from inbox zero every day and, and reaching it every day is really... It's kind of like the CPU power. It, it, it just declutters yeah. your mind. And it's not to say we should spend all our time on email, but I think it's really, if you can get a system of triage. So now I also have this app called Boomerang on Chrome. Oh, I love it. Boomerang. Yes. It's the best. So you just like send that email back to you. If it's like, I need to deal with this in a month. Don't, and otherwise in my previous system, it would just be in my inbox as unread for a month. So I wouldn't forget about it. But then it's kind of, it's like always, I see it and it's always kind of there. Oh, I need to do this thing yeah. in a month. Yeah. I need to do this thing. Well, it's not useful for me to think about right now. So boomerang it back so it, it'll get sent back to you in your inbox in a month. Mm-hmm. And, and then, the, so this is part of, like, the last thing I want to go through in these, these uh, productivity tips, like closing the worry loops. So sometimes, you know, while we're doing a task, we'll have, like, something come up in our brain, I need to do this, or, oh, there's this thing that needs to get done. And what they say is you should do is write it down, and then also not just write it down, but write down what action steps you're going to do to solve it. Because then your brain can like be like, oh, you have a plan. I have a plan for this. I don't need to worry about it anymore. And it, yeah. you can kind of like let it go. And as long as you keep a list that you check frequently and that works for you, whether it's a you know, pen and paper list or it's a digital list, it has to be something, though, that you review at least once a week, you know, that you, you know, you know you're not going to let it fall by the wayside, this isn't going to be a sheet of paper that gets lost in Sarah's black hole of a wallet, which we'll end with, you know, but it'll be something that you actually come back to. Then you can trust yourself that I've taken care of it. I have made a plan and I have written down this task and I don't need to let this worry me anymore. And so that's part of this, like closing the worry loops. Yes. Um, and, and breaking down the procrastination into like actionable steps, you know, and, and the last thing that um, I wanted to mention was that this, this email that I got today recommended, and I really think it's valuable, is not only do you have a to-do list, and like I said, something you check frequently, uh, you know, at least once a week to like for these longer-term things, but also have a did-it list. Like, oh, this that's is what so I nice. Did. So you see the meaningful steps. And I think this would have really helped me with this, you know, year oh, review. Because yeah. I just lost, you know, for the, I lost the trees for the forest. I just couldn't see, because I didn't accomplish the one thing I had hoped I would accomplish by now, I couldn't see anything else that I had accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so what I started was um, in, uh, I get an email now that I've created with like a Google Scripts, which if you guys want to know how to do this, um, 
I can put a link up in our, in our app. It's really kind of cool. You can create a Google spreadsheet, a Google form that actually will get emailed to you every day. You can have it set in a recurring email and it'll come in your inbox as an HTML form. So all you have to do is open that email and click the things right in the email. You don't have to go to some other website or, or remember to check it. It just comes in my inbox and I have it set for, I have it called my work log. And then I also have one for just like general, you know, um, health and happiness where I mark like, you know, did I exercise and other stuff. But, um, with the work one, I have it just like, I write down how many Pomodoros I did that day. And what, and then, then there's a little text box of what, it, what did I do that day? And I write down what yeah. I did. And then I write down, there's a little toggle answer of, did I feel good about today's work? And I have like, yes, no, and meh or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I also put down, I distinguish the Pomodoros between research ones and kind of meetings and seminars and stuff like that, you know, yes. uh, these things that are important, but not progressing my recent, like kind of not that deep work that needs to happen to keep going forward. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think those are all useful things, but that Google scripts thing, it took a little bit to set up, but it's basically, it's like creating an app designed for yourself that gets put into your inbox so that, you know, I have it sent at a certain time, like 9 PM or something. And I just click through it and do it. And then you can kind of see what you've done and, and track. Doesn't, things. um, you make it sound so easy. And I feel like, I, I mean, I hope that some of our listeners are feeling like I'm feeling right now, which is like, how does she do it? No, it took a long time. <laughs> it took a long time. Like, these are things, oh. like, we're talking in 30 minutes, things that I've been, like, working on for five or six years. And, it, and yeah. part of that is the thing, right? Like, knowing that you have some control over this. Because if you feel like the absence of control, you feel overwhelmed. Yes. And this is the last productivity tip that was in that email today was make awful tasks your own. So often we feel like overwhelmed by them, but make, put yourself in it, like whatever that is, and then own it, you know, structure it around how you would like, think about how you will uniquely solve this. And once you create some ownership over things, huh. it become easier. Um, wow. I like that too. Yeah. So I, I think all of these things tie together, but it's not something that happens overnight, you know? And so we, we just make, you know, one day at a time, know that everyone does this, you know, and everyone's worried about it. The other really good piece of advice I heard from like a book that I was reading about this was manage your energy, not your time. So I always felt like I had to manage my time and every, you know, make sure I was doing something useful with every minute, but that's never going to happen. Instead, like manage your energy, like manage if you, you know, know that you have ups and downs with your energy cycle in the day when you're, you know, at your peak energy, do the stuff that's most important. You know, yeah. don't don't waste your peak productivity times on checking your email or Facebook. Put those yeah. in your down energy times, you know, when you're not going to get anything done that hour anyway. Say it's, yeah. you know, say 4 p.m. you're, you know, you're completely done. You know, that's maybe when you should check your email. But maybe at 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. you're at your best. Now, I'm actually the reverse. I'm horrible in the morning, but like 2 to 4 p.m. I'm really strong. So, like, that's where I put my heaviest tasks, you know? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. just finding when your energy is and and kind of being aware of that is, I think, really useful. Um, oh my goodness. It's just so much wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) And I can let's talk about your wallet because I love your wallet. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's shameful. It's shameful. So, 
some of the things that I just begged Sarah to let me keep. So she was like, this goes. It just goes. She has to have a very strong hand with well, me. Well, backstory, right? Your wallet doesn't even close. So every no, it three doesn't years, Every three years or so, Sarah is like, Sarah, you need to help me with my wallet. <laughs> because it doesn't close anymore. And then I'm like, okay. And we sit down, and I take everything out of the wallet. And I'm like, do you really need these three Life Alive cards? I mean, there's three of them, and they only have one punch each on them. <laughs> How often do you go to Life Alive? Are you ever going to get to all ten? <laughs> I beg, I begged to keep. And I mean, at some point, she's like, what is this? It's a, it's a receipt, but... The ink is all gone. You can't even see the amount anymore. This goes. It goes. There's hundreds of dollars of receipts that you hadn't even reimbursed. I was like, what is this $122 receipt? And you're like, oh, that was for the colloquium dinner that I need to get paid back for. From like May. It was from May or something. I'm like, you should probably submit that. (laughs) It was. And I begged to keep a post-it that had on it... Uh, approximate Bayesian computation. That's all the post-it said on it. And Sarah was like, what What the hell is this? Like, it goes in the trash pile. And I was like, I need that! <laughs> I was gonna look it up or whatever. I, someone gave me that post-it in, like, February. It's that just my wallet is list. where ideas go to die. <laughs> and you have to pr- you have to just print it. You were like, no. Yes, cards Sarah, and Sarah. ID cards Sarah was like, this, I'm sorry, I'm taking this. It was a mystery <laughs> transit card of a city I could not remember. It turned out to be Chicago. Uh, and at the time, I was like, no, I need that. It was like $2 to get that. You know, I'll have to, and you were like, you have a $122 receipt. This goes, and you put it in your pocket. And I was like, okay, I'll tolerate her putting it in her pocket as long as it's not in the trash pile. Then, like, five minutes go by, and she takes it out of her pocket, and I was like, I literally forgot I ever owned that. I had immediately forgotten that I ever owned it. Like, because of course I did. I never think about it. I mean, and and you're also like take this out of your, what was it? It was like a reminder of an IUD from a placement of like 2011. And I was like, I need that. (laughs) And you were like, fine, you can keep this. It doesn't go in the trash, but it goes in a separate place. It doesn't need to go in your wallet. And Oh, Sarah, what would I do without you? Yeah, I mean, you it's didn't just... even put the reminder of the marina that you <laughs> that you actually needed on there when you did change it. I mean, it's like this, oh this reminder card was useless. There was, it served no purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to remind me of, like, when the first one was so I could count in intervals of five years. That was what was in my mind. It's not useful, Sarah. Google, Google Calendar alerts, man. Google Calendar. You can set those five years out. That's what you This is what do. it's like to be friends with Sarah. I think pe- people are probably getting <laughs> That's like what it's like, where I'm like, but I need it. And you're like, listen, there's a tool for this. And I've been using it for years, and that's why I'm the woman that I am today. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm just a slug of a person. And then you think, eventually I aspire to be like Sarah R. And gentle listener, perhaps you... Perhaps you feel that way right now, and I'm here to tell you, you too can start to mimic the behaviors of Sarah R. and make your life better. (laughs) It's like your wallet closes, which it does now, Sarah. You have to go tango dancing. I have to go to brunch. Let's sign off. Um, Let's say you can visit us on Twitter. Uh, We have a Twitter, which is Dr. Sarah Care. That's plural, D-R-S. And our uh, name is S-A-R-A-H, Care. We also have a website, Dr. Sarah Care, uh, same handle, at Tumblr. And um, you can send us an email at drsarahcare at gmail. If you like, please rate and review um, our podcast. That helps us a lot.
Yeah, yeah. And send us anything by email that you would like us to talk about or tweet at us or, you know, we love contact feedback. us in, in some way. We would love to hear from you. Yes. Um, thank you so much for joining. Hopefully, uh, share some of your productivity tips or things that you found useful yeah. or things that tweet you've incorporated from today. We would love to hear from you. Yes, and um, thank you, Sarah R., for all of your wisdom forever. <laughs> um, so I'm Sarah B. I'm Sarah R. And thank you for listening. Self-care with Dr. Sarah. Bye.